So I'm going to talk about a con today. Um, the story about cons um, is that they're, they're kind of an answer to a fundamental question about, about Zen. Right? And it goes back to the, the sort of axioms that Zen is theoretically based on. Right? Um, one is um, sitting. And another one is transmission of the Dharma outside of the of, you know the scriptures, right? Outside of the sutras. So those are the and also another one is pointing directly at the mind, right? So so what that means is pretty fascinating actually. What that means is that you know, there's a whole bunch of arguments about why these are the axioms of the Zen school. One argument is that it was a it was a critique and a revolt against the the emphasis in early Chinese Buddhism on scriptural study. Maybe maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But um, that's one of the one of the stories, right? Um, the in the early history of Chinese Buddhism, people were going around. There's a um, very famous guy named um, Xuanzang who traveled all over you know, South Asia, Southeast Asia, and so on, and collected scriptures and you know, carried them on donkey back back to China and then set up a translation studio and translated document after document after document. And he's responsible for pretty much all the original translations of, of, of Pali and Sanskrit documents into Chinese so that people could use them. Right? He's, uh, there's, a, there's an incredibly long movie about his life. It was made, I think, by the Chinese government. And if you ever run across it, it's really good. Um, and the best part is um, he has to cross this vast, trackless, incredibly hostile desert in order to get to South Asia. And he starts out. And, and somebody says, you'll get across if you have a good horse. And furthermore, I'll give you a horse. And he gives it this horse. And, and the guy's out there, he doesn't really know where to go. He doesn't know where the oases are. Um, sorry. Um, and um, he finally lies down to die. Right? And the horse comes up to him and gets down on all fours and then flops over like this and he's like, come on, get on my back. And so he gets up on its back and he's just like, <laughs> and the horse carries him directly to an oasis. And that's, you know, it's, it's a straight moment. It's, you know, if you watch the movie, it's, that's about, you know, 35 minutes in, you're looking at another solid hour and a half of the movie. You could just, Quit there if you like, but it's it's a good movie. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there was this, all this emphasis on the collection of translation of and commentary on uh, and 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 sort of you know, editorializing and maybe even okay, maybe even kind of 
making out new documents that look like the old ones and stuff like that, right? Um, and the, and for one reason or another, the Zen school said, well, you know, maybe that's not the most important thing, right? And so, the, and they were like, actually, all the, all, the, all the hot stuff, all the realization, all the understanding, all, the, um, all of that arises in relationships between people, right? And, and in particular between, in, in particular, but not only between people that are living and practicing together, right? And so, um, and it, it's, a, it's a completely reasonable question um, to ask, what does that look like? Right? How, did, how does that work? And, and can, can you show me an example? And the, the Cohen literature is essentially hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of that, of people interacting and, you know, helping each other with understanding and, um, and so on. Um, and they were, for, you know, supposedly initially written down by somebody carrying around a, a roll of paper in their robe sleeve and a little tiny brush. And go, he said this, he said this, <laughs> and then they eventually got collected into these big tomes, and people wrote commentaries, and then people wrote commentaries of the commentaries, and now it's a giant literature, right? And so, the first thing is, how do you square transmission? outside of the scriptures in, with a... There was a Chinese, famous Chinese teacher named uh, Qing Yuan, and so, uh, a student, a new student, comes to him and asks him, he says, what's, what's the, the you know, great meaning of the Buddhist, of the Dharma, of the Buddhist scriptures? Um, and Qing Yuan says, The price of rice in Luling, which is an ancient city, I forget it has a modern location, but, um, and um, that's the whole call. <laughs> um, and we can assume that the, that answer was helpful to the student, and that's how it ended up in the literature. But but it's worth digging into what he might be talking about and how he, how Qingyuan might be trying to help. Right. So obviously, the student wants to know something transcendent and marvelous about Buddhism and Buddhist practice in order to, you know. Um, be wiser and realize their spiritual goals, and, and he thinks this guy, Ching Yuan, is going to tell you, right? And so um, he asks the question, and Ching Yuan says, um, the price of rice in, in Luling. Um, so there's a number of possibilities, and the most obvious possibility is that um, Ching Yuan is just saying, you know, Easy there, cowboy. <laughs> You'll figure it out, you know. Um, and and uh, I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna say this really surprising thing and let you chew on that for a while, right? Um, and that's a possibility. And there's a lot of cons that are like that. Somebody will say, um, you know, 
what's the you know what's the meaning of the Buddhist teachings and and somebody will say cake <laughs> or or you know other kind of absurdist. The, a lot of this stuff reads like um, like improv comedy or maybe um, uh, mid century mid twentieth century surrealist poetry, which is kind of great, right? Um, but but there, I think there's more to Ching Yuan's answer than that, right? Um, and the first hint that there's more is that that whole expression, you know, the price of, of rice in Luling sounds suspiciously like an expression, a number of expressions in English that we use all the time. Like, who, I don't know if any of you have heard this sort of thing, but if, you know, if, if somebody, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they say something like absurdly abstract or maybe off topic or something like that, you say, well, what does that have to do with the price of eggs? That's the way we always used to say it growing up out here. But other people, like in, in the Midwest, they say, what does that have to do with the price of corn? Right? And in, in, in an odd resonance with the original story, um, in some places they say, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Right? Um, so, and, and, what's, and the, what's the function of that, right? So the, in, in that usage, the price of, of eggs is, it's, it's intended to be a kind of reference to, you know, practical, serious, everyday stuff. Right? And so if somebody's like, you're having a conversation and they're spinning off in some direction that you think is, um, is kind of, um, you know, irrelevant or non sequitur or something like that, you would say, what does that have to do with the precedent? Um, But notice that Qin Yuan has turned that on its head, right? So um, he, he didn't go, he didn't say, "What does that have to do with the what is what is the you know the great meaning of, of Buddhism have to do with the price of rice and luling?" He says, "The great meaning of Buddhism is." He's saying that everyday stuff that you know, um, you know, eating and, and drinking and and uh, and you know, washing your face and um, and you know, sweeping the floor and all the rest of that sort of thing. The everyday interactions between the people in in this temple and and so on. That's the great meaning of the normal, right? Just, just everyday life, right? Um, and you might think, okay, that's good, right? So, in other words, what does that exactly does that mean? There's a, there's a, um, which time have I got? <laughs> there's, there's a. Um, a short uh, recitation called the Metta Sutta that that pretty much spells out what it is to live live in everyday life. It says, um, "Be strenuous, upright, and sincere, without pride, easily contented, and joyous." Okay, check. 
right? And then it, it tells you what to bear in mind. It says, wish for everyone to be happy and to be joyous and live in safe, to be safe, right? Um, and also, wish for everyone to treat each other well. It says, and don't it, you know, please let no one deceive another lie or, or put other people down or, or, or harbor ill will or do other, you know, commit other acts that cause discord and pain, right? Harm. So, so to keep that in mind, to keep that wish, that intention and, and hope in mind, um, check. And then the last, the last one, peppered all over this, this document, there are hints about what you do, um, what, what frame of mind supports that conduct and that, um, that intention, right? So to have a mind that's not, that's boundless and free. Yeah, okay, that's good. To have a mind that's not bound or attached to fixed views. To, um, to have a mind that um, is open to insight. Where, where insight is this moment where reality meets your mental frame and they get together and mix it up and something changes, right? Um, so, so to bring that mind along with that conduct and that intention, that's how to live an ordinary life, right? And, and that's pretty good. So that's, that's a... Maybe that's what uh, Qingyuan was telling the, the student, but even better, right? Um, what do you think accounts for the, the price of rice in, in mood lighting? Any, anybody have any guesses? The weather? Yes, exactly. And, people's greed, hatred, and delusion. <laughs> and the fact that rice even exists, and how did that happen? Well, you know, um, there was this big bang, and then <laughs> a bunch of particles flew through the air, and not, not the air, they flew through space, and, and you know, collected into stars, and those stars got really big and blew up, and they blew out some carbon, and, and you know, sometime later, that carbon got collected somewhere like here, and, and it kind of became, you know, rice, right? <laughs> the entire world, the entire history of the universe from the Big Bang until now, and covering that <clears throat> vastness and depth of time is the reason for the price of rice. And all of, the, all of the actions that have impinged on that, you know, some only vaguely and some quite directly, like, you know, some guy going, I think we should up the price <laughs> of rice this year, because we didn't, you know, we didn't make enough or something like that. Right. Um, so the price of rice in Luling is, it's, you, you, if you step into it, it's this vast mystery that goes beyond either conduct or intention, right? It's 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 the it's the the 
vast interconnection of everything, right? So maybe that's what he was saying. And maybe he was saying all three of those things. You know, stop with your questions. Here's an answer. <laughs> Here's another answer. You want another one? <laughs> Etc. That's about all I had to say. Should we should we do a, a small group thing? Let's do it.